0: Welcome to another Directions Mag podcast, co-hosted with our friends at Erisa.
1: Hello, Matt Gericke with Erisa, and with me today are Jeremiah Grief and Sarah Klass with the USGS and with the uh, United States Geological Survey. Uh, Their particular unit is the Elevation Operations section. So Jeremiah and Sarah, what exactly does the elevation operations section do?
0: Hi Matt. Um, we collect well, we contract out people to collect LIDAR data across the um, nation. And our unit is responsible for um, looking over the data to make sure it's up to our USGS lidar base specification and any other standards it has to meet when the project is contracted out to begin
2: with I was gonna say that the, the uh, second, so part, the second part, part of that part is, um, is uh, involves the publication of the data uh, to the to the national map and so, so that involves a few different products it involves uh, the, what we call the OPR, which is the original product resolution. that's what we get from the contractor. We package that up and distribute it for uh, public availability. We also uh, get a the lidar point cloud, uh, which is the, which is from the contractor, and uh, we distribute that to the to the national map as well. Um, and then we also from the uh, the OPR data, um, the original point cloud that I mentioned earlier, we create a one meter product. And a seamless uh, raster product, which is uh, our, our seamless nationwide coverage, and that's uh, available in a one-third arc second or one arc second um, one-degree block.
1: All right, excellent. So it, it sounds like your your team has a lot to do with with the topic that we're we're starting to dive into with today's podcast, which is data organization and data management. So as you start working with a, a contractor for a data deliverable, how do you start organizing it? What folders do you create to organize the project information, requirements, deliverables? Do you have naming conventions? Do you have a set system that you always use? Uh, how do you work with this to stay on, on, on top of the, the, the project and the task and keep everything straight?
0: Sure, Matt, I'm involved with a lot of that part of our workflow. Um, So to begin with the data providers, so we handle like big data. LIDAR is a lot of data as far as size. And so the the contractors will send us, they break the data into tiles. So it's more manageable um, to ingest and review. Will send us a tile index shape file that represents the extent of whatever data they're about to send us. Um, and then we will assign uh, that we'll open it, look at it, and we'll either assign it as one what we call work unit, which is just um, their work unit is what we will assign to one person to review and how we just work through the data. These projects that we get in can be a half a state worth of data or you know, a whole state sometimes. So we have to break it into chunks that uh, we as humans can manage and as our computers can manage. So that's called a work unit. We'll take these tile indexes, make a work unit out of them, or we might break it up into multiple work units. It depends on uh, the size that they send us. The coordinate reference systems will be divided up. Um, We don't mix the coordinate reference systems and the quality level will also be divided up. So first we'll create the work unit and then we enter that into a database that um, we call PTS, is Project Tracking System. And the whole center um, has access to this database so that they can look up and see the status of these work units. So um, after the work unit is created in the PTS database, we then also create it in our own operations database we call validate. So then after we create it in the PTS database, we will attribute the shape file with a numerical code for the work unit and the overall project. This way, those, those codes, those are, you know, referenced in the database, but they can also be referenced um, in future queries to find this specific work unit within the project. Um, and then we will create the record in our internal operations database, which is called Validate. And Validate automatically generates a standardized folder structure whenever we create the work unit within that. It's also linked to the PTS database. So they talk to each other. So all the information that we originally put into PTS, gets imported into Validate. So everything's staying the same Uh, You know, the numerical codes that go along with it, those all stay the same. The names stay exactly the same. Um, And then we have our standardized folder structure uh, with all the numbers and names used, exactly how they're used in the databases. And um, once the data is delivered to us from the contractor, we download it into that folder structure that's already been made. So is this making sense so far? Any questions about that part? So,
1: so, so when you say you, you download it into the the file structure, you know, what does that file structure look like? Do you, do you have a a folder for for each work unit? Um, do you have Subfolders within those different work units for the different pieces of data that, that you may receive from the contractor, you know, like the uh, the uh, DTM or or the uh, or the the original resolution DTM or, or or the lidar point cloud or or additional files or documentation. Uh, what does that sort of look like once you start putting that data into your file structure? Yeah, sure.
0: So um, first of all the folder structure is by work unit. Um, we have a standardized naming convention when we do create them and name them and we use um, the state abbreviation. And then usually there's a, a, a name for the project and then we'll give it a, a number and then the year that it's collected. So an example would be California it would be CA, an underscore, wildfires underscore one, underscore 2020. So that would be the work unit folder name. And then underneath that, we have four subfolders. Uh, There's bare earth, which contains the digital elevation model raster files and break lines. Um, We have a metadata folder which contains uh, all of the contractor provided metadata and uh, the USGS created metadata. We have another folder, which is really just files that we don't need or files that aren't going to be published, we can put in there. And the point cloud folder, which only contains the LIDAR point cloud folder. Um, And we have realized that the importance of having a standardized folder structure, um, we can automate so many more things. If you know, if, if the computer is making the folder structure for us, then we know it's all named exactly the same, uppercase, lowercase, all it's the same, and we can build our tools to query off of that standardized naming convention and standardized folder structure.
2: Yes, sir. I think that's a really, really important point there because uh, we have a bunch of validation tools that that are uh, that that path to that folder is super critical for. And then, not to not not to mention, we have our Elevate software, which is the the product generation software I mentioned earlier, and and that's really reliant upon having that that folder structure be standard and and uh, you know consistent, you know across. You know, all these work units that we're getting.
1: So, so you mentioned in the work unit folder, you, you have the year, and four digit year is always easy. Um, one of the things that, that I've realized in my own work is, is that if we try to add months and days to the, uh, to the year to make a, uh, a, a date, um, everybody does it a little bit differently, you know, and so some folks are month, month, day, day, year-year, or year-year-year-year, or some folks are year-year-year-year, month-month-day-day. Day. Um, do you run into any of those challenges, maybe with some of of the uh, specific files or uh, metadata documents? And, and if so, um, how how do you deal with those? Well, we don't
0: use too many times where the date is used in the name of the file. Um, the only part that we do use it in is um, the outputs that our tools make our validation tools that jeremiah mentioned Um, we will sometimes so we validate the data review the data and if we find issues with it we send it back to the contractor to get corrected once they corrected they send it back to us so we'll be running the same tools on the same work yet? like they'll have the same name because it's the same data. Uh, It's just a different version of the same area of data. Uh, And so with that case, we do append a date on the end of our tool output names, just so that you can tell, oh, I ran this tool in March and then I ran this output is from July. So I know that this is the most recent version. I mean, I know they have like the the date created stamp on the side of the file explorer thing also, but this way everyone just knows and our outputs are all named the same way so that anyone can take over someone else's project, go in and look and know exactly what that is and when it was ran. We didn't used to do it that way. We would just kind of let people name it whatever they wanted. And um, we've really seen the benefit of keeping it standardized. Yeah, and I didn't really answer your original. We don't really use the. Does product generation use dates on the end of the files?
2: Like we we use some some dates sometimes. Um, like for for the seamless product, for instance, when it was created, we we timestamp a date when some of our products were, were created, but. Yeah, I'd say as far as like organizing our data, um, you know, since we're such a big program, some of these projects are span multiple years. Uh, we really just stick with the earliest collection date, uh, year for, for, for that. And then there's, you know, w- along with the data comes a bunch of metadata and, you know, we also have spatial metadata we provide with our, with our products. So, I mean, if people want more information, they can always dive into the, 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 the details of it a little bit more, but just for our naming structure, we keep it simple. We, we just use earliest acquisition you know, start date. So, you know, whatever year that is.
1: So one of the trends that we're seeing in the industry is that as organizations move from network drives to hosted platforms, uh, like SharePoint, Google Drive, and even ArcGIS Online, Uh, but also uh, AWS, Azure, and and other uh, larger cloud storage platforms. Uh, There's been an increase in metadata tags as a way to flatten traditional file structures uh, while still making information findable and and available. Um, Is the elevation operations section uh, using metadata tags as, as a way to help a structure structure or organize their, their working data or the, the data that's published for, for public use or do you feel like you're you're still uh, uh working with the uh more traditional way of, of managing data with uh, folders and file structures?
2: Yeah that's that's a really good question. Um you know we we don't really do any um metadata tags for internal organizations, so much, but we, we absolutely uh, create an XML metadata file for each of those products that I that I mentioned earlier. So, uh, and and those those are used mostly for uh, kind of an ingestion into science space, and we have a backend inventory system that ingests that metadata and and populates you know specific records in there and then ultimately you know kind of shares that data with the national map so the the data people people are downloading from the national map is kind of cataloged through through that metadata in in some respect Uh, but yeah but as far as internal structure i mean we're we're we're, we're using file you know file folders uh same as same as always most of what we keep like we
0: have a sharepoint um site for our Group, but it's mostly just um, where we keep our meeting notes or our help sheets. You know, reference things for reviews. I think maybe yeah, a lot of other places would be able to keep all of their data on something like SharePoint or Google Drive, but we our data is so large. We have we have all of our folder structure and our actual data holdings is kept on this massive storage <laughs> servers
2: it's like petabytes of you know storage space. Yeah, yeah i don't know sarah what would you say our average you know what one, one work unit is is probably on average 500 gigabytes or you know sometimes up to oh, a ter- no. terabyte
0: yeah two terabytes sometimes four terabytes
2: yeah so these i mean these are massive amounts of data it's it's hard to get away from the the file folder you know structure
1: So, speaking of massively large data sets, you know, regardless of how large or how small it is, it seems like backup strategies are are something that that everybody wants to consider. Because if you bring in data and you start working with it or or reviewing it, you know, the the worst thing that could happen was for that your your one copy of the data to disappear or be corrupted or, or not be available. So, from the the elevation operations section perspective, um, what does your backup strategy look like for all this data that that's coming in that you're reviewing, or uh, even more so the the final uh, data products that you're pushing out to the public? Uh, do you just rely on on the the IT section for that in terms of of uh, server or network drive backups? Uh, or, or is there something uh, uh, more conscious that your section does
2: yeah that's a, that is a, a definitely a concern of ours uh, we you know we, we have we have had to track down data before and it's never an easy task um, you know we do have a few different methods of, of tackling this, and in general we do you know in, in the perfect world rely on i t we do have a dedicated IT department for the whole uh, NGTOC, which you know is, is elevation, but it's also NHD and US Topo, and and, and so they manage the, the whole the whole organization. But um, uh, I guess I guess first first off, if uh, you know Sarah mentioned, you know we, we get the data from the contractors, so so ultimately they they always have a copy of that data as as well. We also get the data on hard drive, so there's the potential we may have that data, you know, left on a hard drive after we bring it into our, our, uh, you know, onto onto our net, onto our system. But um, IT also they do uh, snapshots every two weeks, so if as long as data, you know, is within that two week time frame, we can we can back it up that way. Um, And they also do some some overall network backups periodically but they're they're not as reliable especially you know with with these you know these large this large amount of data i mean it's not really feasible to back up two terabytes of of you know for each work unit i mean we have hundreds of work units sometimes that's you know nearly doubling your your or tripling your your storage space so you know we rely on those snapshots a lot it's kind of a fail safe and you know that's that's two weeks so so we need to stay on top of things we change and and really you know if we find an issue address it quickly because there's a chance either we lose work or we have to go back to the contractor and say oops we we lost the data can you send us another hard drive and that adds time to the project and our partners get mad at us but yeah i would say in general we, we would really do rely on on it to to, to manage that I guess I could talk a little bit about um so once the data is published though we actually do uh archive that data to a to a glacier uh, AWS cloud environment. So once the data is, is published it's 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 put into a cold storage environment where we can access it and restore it at any time but
1: so so the 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 part that's backed up to the glacial cloud storage is that a, a internal access only backup or, or is the 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 product that's pushed out and published also stored in, in that sort of uh architecture?
2: Yeah so so both actually yeah so we archive the the contractor provided data to a uh an internal only storage and then also our products that we create, the OPR, the LPC, one meter and seamless, those are all uh, stored on, on AWS for public consumption.
1: And that's now that's all publicly available. So, so given the, the size of, of your program and how much data you work with and, and the number of projects you have going on, Um, names and and structure is 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 really important so do you have any sort of change management procedure put into place so that if someone uh, wanted to recommend a change with with uh, uh, where these data are are sitting or how those data sets are managed or, or how they're named that there would be an opportunity to uh, review that proposal and, and weigh the, the advantages and disadvantages of, of making a change uh, to either your uh, your storage architecture or your naming and file structure? I
2: wouldn't I would say, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say externally, but we definitely have had those conversations internally quite a bit. And that's, you know, if, if a change does get, uh you know push push through I mean it's 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 due to you know us talking internally maybe it's 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 a different type of product that we get or you know someone from another I don't know it's gotta be it's gotta it's gotta be justifiable pretty justifiable and it's an internal process I guess would be my thoughts there Sarah I don't know Well,
0: with stuff like the the USGS ladder base specification, like stuff that is broader scope like that, there is an official way to submit proposed changes to that specification document. Um, but like Jeremiah said, just for our internal folders, we just have meetings about it and <laughs> talk about it for probably way too long.
2: Yeah, I'd say naming conventions are a pretty pretty lively topic
1: around the office. It is. (laughs) You know, I've often found that the the larger the organization or the more that data flows between different parts of an organization, uh, the the more that uh, naming conventions and file structure and formats is uh, um, the the water cooler or coffee pot topic.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: Um, one thing I found important, I guess, has been part of my role uh, with this group is documenting the changes. Also, like keeping really up to date and clear documents that you know our whole team can reference. Because when there are changes, it's hard for a group to keep like remember. Oh, we're supposed to name it like this now, (laughs) or, you know, whatever the change might be. Um, So having good documentation and someone that makes sure that that documentation is being kept up to date has been helpful, I think, for
1: us. Now Sarah thanks for bringing that up because that raises a, a, another question you know documentation on large projects is its own example of of a of a folder or a file or a resource that that needs to be managed in in order for folks to know um where it is and what it does and and what the most recent version of of that is um so could you talk a little bit about how you how you manage that documentation is is there one one version that that's that's always the, the go to that everybody knows it is, is up to date uh you know kind of the the uh the the living version of the document so to speak um do you keep uh past versions archival versions of that for for reference or documentation of of, of what's been done before um and and how do you track or juggle you know the, those, those different versions as as they may change over time with your needs and the outcomes of those internal discussions?
0: Um, yeah, it can be a lot um, in 2020 we did a lot of reorganizing as far as how we um, we started reviewing our projects in a little different way. And so there were a lot of changes happening often with our standard operations procedure. So I, I maintain the SOP, the standard operations procedure document, which is really long. And I do keep previous versions. And in the current version, um, I have a little note on the title page, updated on this date and then you know, a short statement about what it was it updated, you know, XML metadata was updated on January, 2020. So I keep a running list of what updates have been made to the document, but then I also keep the previous version. I haven't had to use the previous version yet, but um, they're there just in case. So everyone in the, the group, as a whole is only accessing the the current version. Sometimes I'll highlight the changes I've made in the new document. I'll highlight the part that has been updated.
1: Wow. We have talked through many different examples from a number of different perspectives. Do you have any final tips, tricks, or strategies to share about data organization and management?
2: You know, if I had any advice, it would be think about what you want your naming structure to be ahead of time. Think about what you want your folder structure to be ahead of time, and do whatever it takes and not to change that. Right? I mean, keep that, keep that standard because when you do change stuff, uh, things definitely break. And you know, we've been a program for you know quite a while now. We've changed things and. Uh, you know, it's made made the storage of data more difficult than it probably needed to be in a lot of cases. Um, you know, I mean, so a lot of those changes were needed, right? I mean, as as programs evolve, you know, they, they need to change. But I, I guess scrutinize those changes is, is would be my advice. You know, especially naming structures. I think you know you can, and it's you know it's evident in our in our data. A lot of those early projects, like like Sarah mentioned, were you know maybe not not named the same um, or, or as consistently and when it when it comes to kind of yeah finding 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 data if it's not all consistent, especially over an eight year program, it it can it can it's a it, you know it has its challenges. We you
0: know like I said we didn't used to spend as much energy on making sure everything was consistent. Um, And now that we do, I can definitely say it's a benefit to the unit overall.
2: And then, you know, even as, as simple as it sounds, just having some of those folder structures and naming conventions created automatically and kind of eliminating, you know, the potential for user error I mean it happens right we all we all do it you know even if you, you do it over and over again you're still at some point gonna 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 fat finger a a letter and it's gonna it, it throw something off so I mean as simple as it sounds just having having that that folder structure generated automatically I think goes a long way and and we've seen it I mean in our workflow we used to manually do it and and now our, our our software does it for us, and I, I think we've seen benefits from that.
1: Well, thank you, Jeremiah, Sarah, and and members of the USGS Elevation Operations Section, uh, for joining us today to uh, shed a little bit of light onto data organization and management strategies.